Everybody, happy Sunday. I'm Jimmy Bratcher. I'm glad that you chose to come hang out with me. What a beautiful day it is. Guess what? It's the first day of spring, and I, it's my second most favorite uh, season. Of course, summer is my favorite season because I like it hot. I like the humidity. I like all that stuff. Just Bring the sweat on. I'm feeling sweaty. Anyway, I'm glad to be here with you today. I'm glad that you stopped. And I wanted to share a um, friend of ours, uh, Mr. Aaron Poor, and the, the worship team at Journey Church in Liberty, Missouri, my hometown. Aaron just uh, released this, Jesus Above It All. I've played it on here many times, but now... You can go to all the streaming outlets that there are available. I, you know, some that I don't even know where they are. But Apple Music, Spotify, should be on YouTube, several other things, and you can pick it up. But because the title track goes so well with my message today, I wanted to play it. It's called Jesus Above It All. Down every wall, I sing my freedom and I. Pray. 
That's what it takes seeing Jesus. That's that's the thing. I was looking at John twelve twenty one while that was playing. Uh, John twelve twenty one, and it says, "And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida, of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus.'" 
And that is the cry of all mankind. They don't know it. A lot of people don't know that's what they're looking for. But like me, I thought I looked for satisfaction and everything else. And when it finally came down to it, when I saw Jesus, not like with my eyes, but in my heart, when I saw Jesus and believed on him, that satisfied every question, answered every problem, brought me through every hardship, and gave me the foundation that I needed to have an abundant life. And I'm so glad about that. And I'm glad that you're here on this Sunday morning. It's just, you know, it, it to me, it's like you're here in my cluttered office. You know, I have a I do have an organizational system. It's called pile management. You can't you can't see it, but I kind of keep it well, you can see some of this over here, a pile of books and I got a pile of stuff here that you can't see and and uh but but it's just thrilling to me that you would come, that you'd take your time and spend some time with me. Well, we have been talking about the agenda of Jesus of Jesus, the agenda of Jesus. This is part number four. And let me just read it out of Luke chapter four, verses 18 and 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Somebody shout, yeah, baby. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Come on with some of that. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So today, I want to look at what he says here as part of his agenda. To proclaim liberty to the captives. That word liberty there in the, in the King James Version is translated as deliverance. It's only used in the Greek one time as liberty, but apparently, um, well, actually in the King James Version, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's to proclaim deliverance to the captives. And in the Greek, it's only used one time as liberty. It means to release from bondage or imprisonment. Number two, it means to forgiveness or pardon of sins, letting them go as if they had never been committed. Come on, man, somebody talk to me about that. You know, I was in prison last week on Wednesday at Lansing's uh, prison here in Lansing, Kansas, which is just about, oh, I don't know, about a half an hour from here. And, um, you know that those guys would like to have somebody come in and say, we're letting you go as if it never happened. But that's what Jesus did for us. He, you know, the Father says, I'm going to take your sins from you and I'm going to place them as far away as the east is from the west and remember them no more. And you know, that's why if you bring up your past sins to God, God's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember them. I I put them as you know far away as the east is from the west, and I don't remember them anymore. And that is something to shout about. Of course, when we think of this verse, you know, this part of this verse, we think of being freed from our sin. 
and Jesus dealt the death blow to sin so that once and for all, sin would no longer have power over those who believe. Really, literally over the over human race, but it takes us believing in Jesus to receive that. But Jesus wants for all, for the entirety of mankind. You know, there's some there's some uh, teaching that says, you know, there's only a few, an elect that are going to be saved. But Jesus, you know, God's got, you know, God comes up with these plans. It's like, where does he come up with this stuff? I guess maybe because he's God and we're not. And he comes up with this plan. It's like, look, I'm going to, I'm going to make the atonement. I'm going to cover everything for everyone who will ever commit a sin, for who will ever live on planet earth if they believe and receive and accept God's offer in Christ. And he did all this so that we, so that we, you know, I'm going to read Romans 6, 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power over our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin because Jesus broke that power. He broke that power. We were slaves to sin because of the weakness of our flesh and the law that God gave to reveal sin to us. But it could not, the law, you know, no matter how hard we try, the law, doing things right, can never take sin away from us. It took the blood of Jesus to do that. And, you know, we were slaves, but Jesus took all of that stuff on himself, on the cross, and there received the punishment for our sins. Colossians 2.13 and 14 says this, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful and because your sinful nature was not cut away was not yet cut away then god made you alive in christ and he forgave all of our sins he canceled the record of the charges against the, against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross i mean what a great passage of scripture how encouraging of that was that you know, Jesus, I've said this many times, Jesus didn't come to make us better. He came to make us alive. We were dead in our sin and trespasses. Dead is dead. That's what it means in the Greek. It's like you look it up, it means dead. We were dead in our sin. What do you mean? We were alive. We were walking around. Yeah, but our hearts were not able to perceive the reality of the love of God until this stuff was cut away from us. Let me read it again. Romans 6, 6. Oh, no. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. You were dead because of your sins. That's a pretty absolute statement. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away 
by nailing it to the cross. You know, you ever been one of those services where they have a, a, a big cross set up, then they give everybody post-it notes or whatever, and they take it, take those notes. You put down all these things you want cut away from your life, and you take it and you put that thing up there and you nail that thing to the cross. Well, that's what God did for us with our sins and our sinful nature. He took those things away from us. When we're born again, we get a new heart, we get a new nature, we get a new genetic, we are made alive, restored to what God originally intended for us to experience. So he did all of that so that we could come to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Romans 5.10 says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his Son while we were still, still his enemies, we, certain, we will certainly be saved through the life of his Son. And I love that. Since our friendship with God was restored. How was it restored? It was restored because of Jesus. We put our faith in Jesus and bam, we are restored in our relationship with the Father. Now, I know what that's like. You know, we just celebrated Jessica's day on the 14th. And, uh, you know, I know what it's like to have a child restored to me. And when I was going through that experience, when we met Jessica, I was overwhelmed with um, just the sense of knowing how God must feel when one of his children are restored to him. And any, you know, then this verse is so, so cool. Romans 5.10, for since our friendship was with God was restored, by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved by the life of his son, through the life of his son. So now we have access to the Father, Ephesians 2.18, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. And Hebrews 10.19 says, Therefore, having boldness to enter the holiest of all by the blood of Jesus. We have access into our relationship with God that those folks in the old covenant didn't even have. They couldn't even get close to going through the veil into the presence of God. They couldn't even dream of that. In fact, they tied you know, they tied like a rope around the leg of the priest so that if he went in there and was unclean and died, you know, they could drag him out. But we don't have to worry about that anymore because of what Jesus did for us. And Jesus came and preached this message to us to communicate his agenda and just preach to us, not just preach to us, but to actually demonstrate what God the Father looks like so that we would know in this restored relationship what God's character and nature look like in flesh by, by seeing Jesus. And our response to that, to his preaching and all of that is, man, we love him and we trust him because first he loved us. 
And that's just it. It's like, you know, when things are, when I recognize shortcomings, sin in my life, it's like I don't have to worry about can I take this to God or not? You know, am I going to do like Adam did and just hide? And that's like ridiculous. You know, God's omnipresent. He knows, you know, where he is and all those things. But yet he comes and he says, Adam, where are you? And I can just hear God saying, why are you hiding from me? God hasn't done anything at all, you know, to, to give this type of fear to man. It came from his sinful nature. And so us having that nature cut away from us, we should not have fear to come to God. You know, I preach a sermon sometimes, or I preached it once or twice, I remember. Uh, I don't remember, but it was called The Father I'm Not Afraid Of. And you know, one of the things that I share in that message is, is that, and I'm, I'm maybe a rare individual, and maybe my sister Patsy can bring some of this back to my remembrance, but I never remember a moment in my life as a, as a kid being afraid of my father. Now, maybe it would have done me some good if he would have put some fear in me, you know, so that I would have been more respectful but I always knew that my dad, my daddy loved me, and I never had any doubt about his love. And, and so, you know, whenever things like that happen, I know that I can go to my heavenly father, to the father, and I know that he is going to receive me because he is my father. And so that's, that's so good. But you know, there's more than just being bound, being a captive to sin, there's also when Jesus came, he came into a religious system that was completely off base, that was completely corrupt, and they have made it so complicated, uh, you know, that it was almost impossible for people to even come to God. I mean, you had to jump through so many hoops and do so many things. It's like, how in the world can people even connect to God in that? But they did in some form or fashion, but it just got to be, it was like some kind of religious ritual. And I can remember being so frustrated in my walk with God for really a couple of decades or more, which is so sad. Uh, because, you know, all of a sudden it was not just Jesus that was enough. It was Jesus and. It was like, you, you know, Jesus is going to save you, but then from there on out, if you're going to get anything, if you're going to receive anything from God, if you're going to get your prayers answered, it's going to be on you, buddy. And I can remember being so frustrated because I felt that I could never measure up. And this is like what happened in Jesus's day. There were they had taken the Ten Commandments and blown it up into over 600 commandments and had all of these rituals that had nothing to do with the reality of God's love and purpose for mankind. And man, when I went through that in my life, I was so wrong because I thought God would never be satisfied with me because all we were focused on was our performance. And we thought it was our performance that qualified us to receive and inherit the blessings of God and the promises of God on our life. 
And all I can say to that is thank the Lord that I've, I've read, I found this book. Let me see if I can dig it out of here. It's in one of my piles in my pile management. The Gospel of Peace by Dr. Jim Richards. says James B. Richards on here, same guy. And when I started to read this, I began to understand that God was at peace with me and it wasn't my performance he was looking at. It was Jesus's performance that he was looking at. And that's what qualified me. That's what made me able to inherit all of the blessings of God and in my life and to be qualified to receive all of them. If y'all haven't read this book, you can go to impactministries.com and buy it. You can find it on Amazon, on Kindle, whatever you want. But I would just encourage y'all to get this book and just go through it. It's called The Gospel of Peace. It's a real easy read. Um, but man, I mean, as you can see, Sherry's been in this book. She's been writing all over this thing. I need to get me a fresh copy of this. I read this book. So I found this book in probably 2003 or four. I probably read this book, I don't know, at least I've read it at least once a year. And I will continue to do that to remind myself of the reality that God is at peace with me because of what Jesus did. But I still, from time to time, find myself stuck in this religious mindset and I have to drag myself up out of that. You know, it's like, I got to go do this thing. If I don't do this thing, then I'm not going to get that. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I thought that, you know, First Peter says, I think it's First Peter says that he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That means he gave it all, you know. And so we are freed by the power of the cross to come into his presence. And, you know, there's so many things, so many religious hoops that people want us uh, to jump through. And what they're saying is, is like, you know, we don't believe the resurrection. And, uh, but, but anyway, so the cross, the power of the resurrection freed us and qualified us that believe in Jesus by faith, that all of the promises of God to us are yes, and amen. Psalm 84 11 says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold to those who walk uprightly. And I can remember in my religious mind, I'd read that and then it would get to that who walk uprightly part and I'd immediately disqualify myself. Why? Because I was looking at my performance instead of Jesus's performance. Now, again, you know, I always have to say this. I'm so sad that I have to say this. You go out and sin, it's going to kill you. It's just that simple. The wages of sin is death. That was written to believers. That, wasn't that was not written to sinners. It was written to believers. So, you know, I used to hear that, who walk uprightly, and I would disqualify myself. But I'm in Christ. Christ walked uprightly. Therefore, uh, he's not withholding anything from me. And so, you know, that's so good because of that. You know, I thought he was withholding good things from me, and the answer was wrong. 
Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. And I love that because, you know, a lot of people, I see a lot of people are running around fighting the devil. You know, man, we got to fight the devil. It's like, I'm going, well, why? Why? Why are you fighting the devil? Jesus fought the devil and won. Period. Colossians 2.15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In the, over them in it, he's talking about the cross. He triumphed over all principalities and powers. Even said in another place, he said, Now all power in heaven and earth is given to me. And so if you run around fighting the devil, it's like, stop it. You know, don't be devil conscious. Be God conscious. You know, is there evil in the world? Yeah. Where's that evil come from? Well, it's done through people. You know, there's a whole lot of evil. In fact, I have a song that Eric uh, Stark wrote for me called Don't Bring That Evil Around Here. And it's talking about the, the, the fight in our culture for who's right. You know, the chorus says, if all you want is a fight, it says, uh, but all I have for you, my brother, is love. And I thought between us that would be enough. But if all you want is a fight to prove who's right, let me make it clear. Don't bring that evil around here. And a lot of people go around fighting battles and they're like Paul said, man, they're just beating the air. They're just doing all these things. So for me, I'm going to put my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. And I'm going to, I'm going to exalt him in my thinking, exalt him in my, in my faith, exalt him in my love, exalt him in my worship, all of those things. Why? Because he loved me first and he gave himself so that I could be restored to my Father. So today, I hope that that blesses you. I hope it speaks to your heart. Uh, Sherry and I are kind of worn out because our daughter Amanda and her husband Chris just bought a house and it needed some painting and some work. And these old bones ain't used to doing that stuff, but we've been doing that. Uh, see, we work Thursday, Friday, and all day Saturday, and so I'm beat. So I recorded this uh, last night and uh, on Saturday night. But anyway, I just want to uh, remember a couple of people that uh, need our prayers. Pam Summer, Pam Summers needs our prayers, and Kendall McKay. So Pam is a dear friend of ours. She's probably on the stream, if at all possible, for her today. And uh, we'll you know, Pam, if you are, we're believing for the reality of your faith to be made sight. And um, our friend Kendall up in Knoxville, Iowa, has cancer as well. And uh, he's a young man, got three kids. So anyway, I just want to, let's just pray for them. Father, we just thank you, Lord, so much for your power, for your might being manifested in us. Thank you for setting us that we're held by our sin as captive, held by religion as captives, held by our culture as captives, or but you set us free.
Father, we thank you for your health, for health and healing for those that are sick. And Lord, we bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I love you all. I will see you on Wednesday night. Adios.